Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety, take their power back, and learn how to create a truly beautiful life. Each week, I'm speaking with amazing individuals who are experts in the field of entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, sex, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a mom, a blogger, and a certified health coach. I'm obsessed with personal growth and change, and I've helped women all around the world regain alignment with what they truly value in life and remove the blocks preventing them from living their life to the fullest. If you're ready to stop living a half-life and move fully into your power, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey guys, today I'm speaking with Maria Palumbo. She's a sex and relationship coach, and in this episode we talk all things open marriage, polyamory, and just creating a truly beautiful sexual life. So if you have little ones, you might want to pause and listen to this when you're by yourself or with your partner, Um, but otherwise get ready to learn a ton about how to tap into your sexual energy, why so many people are living lives that are kind of dead and relationships that are dead and why that's not okay for either of you. So we talk a lot about how to bring back the fire in your relationship and with yourself. Um, And for some people, that means opening up the marriage. For others, it just means getting back to basics and looking into your partner's eyes or touching their fingers. So I hope you really love this episode and learn a lot from it. And really, at the end of the day, just do what's right for you. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If you've been thinking that you might want to start reducing your caffeine intake, then this is the company you definitely want to check out. They offer an assortment of different mushroom blends, and basically you just add it to hot water. Now, I have a full disclosure. I actually put the mushroom blends in my regular coffee just because... I like coffee and it's part of my routine, but I love the benefits of mushrooms, of adaptogens. I have not been sick since November. I tell everybody this because it's true. Um, And it's because of the health benefits, the immune boosting properties of the chaga and the energy I get from the cordyceps and just the calming effects from the reishi. Like this is real. Like there is data to back up this information. So if you're questioning it or you think it's kind of weird, like just Google it and definitely check out Four Sigmatic because they are they're, they just make it so convenient to add adaptogens, mushroom powders into your coffee or if you're adverse to coffee into your hot water. So definitely check them out and use the code UNSTRESSED at checkout for some awesome discounts. Well, hey, Maria, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you, Liz? I'm doing great. I am so excited. I was thinking about this interview all morning. I was so excited to have it um, because I think it's such an incredibly important topic. Um, But before we get into all of that, why don't you give our audience a little bit of context about you and, you know, the events that kind of led to you being a sex and relationship coach? Ooh, context. (laughs) Um, my, uh, my life's mission, it used to be like, just survive, um, like get over your trauma, get over your anxiety, heal yourself. And I've actually transitioned into making my life be about living in my pleasure. And I was just speaking um, to you a minute ago about this, that every single day when I get up and I approach my life, my coaching with clients, when I write a post, when I network, when I have a meeting, Every moment I look to find the gold and the pleasure in all things. 
So there's no longer a division between my life, my work and my pleasure. And it's all one. So that really creates the foundation um, for my business and my work. My business primarily is coaching. I work with women and some men all over the world and really teaching them how to allow themselves to live in their full pleasure and their full joy. So it's moving out of the shoulds, out of the I can't, out of the I'm not worthy into I can literally create whatever I want and I deserve that. Wow. That's really powerful work. Thank you. It's uh, I would say it's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. (laughs) (laughs) So diving right in, I mean, what is it? Where do you think people get it wrong when it comes to owning their sexuality? Because that's a big part of your work and, and just really being comfortable with that aspect of themselves. Everybody, there's like these people get stuck in these shoulds and my sex needs to look like X or Y, or if it doesn't look like a certain thing, if it's not monogamy, or if it's, if I'm not married, if I don't have a boyfriend, or if I don't have a partner or a girlfriend, like then something's wrong with me. What happens is we have these paradigms in society about what sex and relationships look like and what they're for, and they simply don't fit everybody. Like we get these distorted views from movies, from television, even from porn, pornography about what sex is and what it really should be and what it looks like. And where we get it wrong is when we're trying to to be some ideal, when we're trying to look like or act like or or be like what other people are telling us we need to be when it comes to our sex. Mm -hmm. And also the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform or to be something that we're not in order to... Um, to seem powerful and to seem normal. Man, I think that that's so true. I mean, at any, like in any aspect of life, if you're trying to live up to some ideal without really touching base with yourself, I mean, you're never going to hit the mark. I mean, no matter who you are, because, because everyone's different and everybody has different needs. So what's like the biggest issue that you see with your clients? Like, what do you see that's like, oh, here we go again? (laughs) Um, actually there's a lot that comes up regarding sex and regarding just a deep sense of worthiness of slowing down. Like I don't have to rush to sex. I don't have to give too much too soon. I don't have to like do something because my partner wants me to do it. I don't have to fear anymore having sex. Like I don't have to make it mean something or, or attach myself in a way that's going to make me feel vulnerable or is going to hurt me. Like my clients and I, what we work on a lot is designing sex, designing intimacy, emotional and physical around what really feels honoring and what is in full alignment with who they are and what they desire. For example, like glamour will tell you like 10 ways to get your man off or like how to seduce him in 10 minutes <laughs> or like walk into a room and make everyone want to screw you. Um, and like that, ha- my work is actually undoing the messaging about what being sexy is mm. and having a woman unleash her own unique vibes of sensuality and sexuality because everybody has it. It just looks different and feels different depending on the person and how they are in the world. Man, so it really seems like it's something that comes from within, you know, it's obviously not the dress that you're wearing. It's not like the makeup that you have on. It's like some kind of energy. It is. It's, um, 
Yeah, you know, and I'm actually, I'm really grateful. Like I've been cultivating this energy over the last few years, like this, almost like it's like a combination of like all of these different things, like Marilyn Monroe and like Mary Magdalene and uh, like a hip hop star. And like, I've been like feeling into all of these energies, um, all these different ways of like being in my sex and being in my sensuality. And I've just been really creating what that looks like for me and, and doing it day by day. And how I do that is by being really intentional about what I wear, wearing things that feel really fun. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the external is more important than the internal. However, I think as spiritual beings and as women, we can sometimes forget the external, the makeup or how we do our hair, or if we put lotion on our bodies or things like that, like we can kind of forget that and get into this monotonous cycle of just mm-hmm. doing life. So part of my work that I do and also teach others is like, really creating a pleasurable life and tapping into different energies um, that just feel really awesome and feel really vivacious. I love that. And you talked earlier about kind of incorporating pleasure into your work and like into everything that you're doing. Why do you think it's so hard for men and women to tap into that, to like make pleasure a priority in their life? It seems like some of society likes to bond when we're complaining Um, and sometimes women, like when we don't know each other well, or we're not comfortable with each other, or we're fearing each other, or we're jealous, or we're just, you know, having a hard day. Sometimes we like to look for story alliance and what story alliance is, is I'm having a hard time. Are you having a hard time? You are great. Let's be friends. Um, and it's, it's almost as if people get awards for suffering. Like who's suffering the most, who's working the hardest, who's the most tired, who's the most emotionally exhausted, who is like the most busy as if busyness means productivity. But in reality, busyness actually can reduce our pleasure, reduce our energy and sex and take away the joy and just being alive and being in our bodies and make us very goal focused. Like I got to have sex. I have 20 minutes. Let's get this done. I, I, I got to have an orgasm. He has to have an orgasm or I'm failing. Mm-hmm. So like what's something that someone listening can do today to stop their busyness cycle and to start focusing on pleasurable things and like being intentional about having more pleasure? There's a couple things um, that people can do. One thing is is by giving yourself the permission to slow down. That means if you have a full day and you have a long to-do list, doing two or three things on that list and letting that be okay. Mm-hmm. Because our our eyes are often bigger than like our capacity of creation, like meaning like our, our attention span, we think our attention span is huge and we can do all this stuff, but in reality, in order to be like alive in our sensuality, playful, healthy, balanced, we really got to reduce the stress and pressure we put on ourselves to do 10 things, pick Mm -hmm. up the kids from soccer, get dinner done, get the laundry done. And then after that, make sure that my husband has an orgasm or my girlfriend has an orgasm and then get up in the morning and get the kids to school and get they like, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do all of those things, but we really need to reduce that. And a way to reducing that and simplifying is asking for help. Like, making more time for friends, like allowing people into our lives that can say, Hey, let me pick up the kids or let me do this for you. Or let's like scratch each other's back. You don't have to do it all alone. 
So first thing is slowing down, not getting to the whole list. And the second thing is just ask for help. So you have more time for yourself because if you don't have time for yourself and you're not really putting your needs first, well, then life just lacks luster and it's not fun. That's so true. I mean, as you were talking, I was like, God, everything she's saying is like resonating with me because I feel like, you know, especially as women, like we were like these supposed multitaskers and we'd get it all done. And like, you're a mom, you want to look like you've got it all together and you've got like the perfect situation, marriage, kids, all of that. And it's like, I can see it. Like I talk to women all the time, like they're dying, they're drowning, you know, they're going crazy. And they're like, they don't understand why they're so stressed out. They don't understand why they can't sleep at night and their, their brains are just going, going, going. And it's like, well, maybe I should, you know, I don't know, like take a pill or, you know, see a psychologist. But at the same time, like that, it's like some kind of failure as well. So I feel like there's so much of this like suppression of, you know, this angst that's happening and people are like, well, this is just my life. You know, this is just the way it's going to be. And I love that you're saying like, no, like it does not have to be that way. If you can just cut back and focus on, like you said, one or two really crucial things for the day and have that be enough. Like have that be enough. That is it. And I really love what you said, how you mentioned perfectionism, like in my own embracing of my sex and my sensuality, Um, so when I say sex, it means like my actual sex, like the the energy that I have around it, the people that I decide to have sex with and share my, my energy fit, um, with like emotionally, physically sensuality is how I approach life. Like how I allow my senses to be pleasured, how I let myself be seduced by music, by making breakfast and watching my husband, like wake up in the morning by, like walking to the gym and feeling the sun on my skin. Like that's my sensuality. So in order to embrace those parts of me, my sex and sensuality, I had to let go of perfectionism. Like there's no fucking ideal. Oh, pardon me. Am I allowed to curse? Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) There's no ideal about like how to do my life. And I had to go through a really deep grieving of letting go of the fact that I can't fit into the ideal world of monogamy or sexuality or set, like I, that's not me. I can't mm-hmm. do that anymore. And I had to go through a grieving of letting go of that part of me that wanted to please, wanted to seem normal, wanted to fit in what normal seems in society. And after that grieving over the last, I would say six months, I just said yes to not being perfect and to my true desire, which for me has looked like making my life really fun has looked like non-monogamy and opening up our marriage and exploring emotional, spiritual, sexual relationships with other people. And it's just been saying like, hell yes to what I want and allowing myself to create it day by day. I love that. And for people listening who might not really understand what an open marriage is, can you talk a little bit about your definition of an open marriage? Yeah. Um, Because I know it's different for different couples. Yeah. So in our relationship, um, we have relationships outside of our marriage that are emotional, physical, spiritual, in order to make us better people and in order to make our relationship better. Um, So we like, the focus of this is that every single person that in the world, like that we connect with, there's so many people that actually bring out a different part of us and nurture a different part part of us and see a different part of us that simply my husband and I can't. Mm-hmm. What we do is like we tap into these beautiful people and connect and create 
wonderful relationships that change depending on our, on our season of our relationship and depending on the time and the person in order to meet needs that may, might have gone missing or ignored by each other. So the idea is that the more love that I share, like truly grounded, healthy, connected consciousness of sex and emotionality, the more that I connect with others, the more energy that I have and the more that I can give to my husband because I'm just so turned on and passionately alive and in love with my life. I love that. And I think that so many people who think about open marriages, you know, I've just heard about it. They're worried that there's this like lack mentality, you know, like there's only so much love. And if you're giving it to someone else, then your partner is suffering from that. So I'm curious, like, how did you come to the, to the decision, you and your husband, that you wanted to open up the marriage? Mm, that's a great question. So back in October, I realized, like, I, I was probably, I was born polyamorous. And what I mean by that was I was born with the, with the capacity for incredible deep love for many different people and the ability to actually simultaneously hold deep connection with more than one person. So like my connection with my husband makes my connection better with other people that I might date instead of actually detracting or distracting from each other. So I was born with this, but I tried to do monogamy. Um, and I was always monogamous because that's just the model. And I had a lot of judgment, a lot of fear about sex that was outside of that, um, that box of monogamy. In October, something happened where I had really done a lot of personal and emotional work and my sex, like there was something about my sex that felt dead and my soul that felt dead that was really sleeping. And I, it just, well, I was doing personal development and I literally woke up to this reality that I was polyamorous, that I had this deep capacity and deep desire to really get to know and love and share who I am with more than one person and really create deeper community around sex and around connection. I had an affair, which for many people, like our society says, it's like the worst thing you possibly could ever do to yourself and to, to somebody else. It is if you don't use it to explore what is really working about your relationship and what really isn't. Mm. And we decided to use the affair as an opportunity to dive deeper into each other and create a new relationship with new boundaries that actually brought more joy and more energy in instead of um, what we were doing before, which was actually kind of limiting our sexual creativity, limiting our sense of personal and, and emotional growth. And it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't like, oh, you had an affair, you're polyamorous, great. It was like very painful because I, I shattered um, the concept of monogamy um, and very painfully. And my husband's ego got shattered. My ego got shattered. Our old relationship got shattered. But because we decided to, to hire coaches, I was reading, I was listening to like Poly Weekly, which is a podcast. Like I decided to dive really deep and learn we were able to make our relationship even more real because mm. what had happened before was we had fallen asleep in these ideals of what relationship is. My husband provides, I lean on him. He makes decisions. I don't travel without him. Like we, we had fallen asleep in this, in this relationship and realizing that I was non-monogamous really gave us opportunity to be equals in a whole new way and experience joy and sex in a way that we, we could we could have never, ever have fathomed before. God, that's such a brave move too, like to fully face what had happened and then to use it 
to grow and to actually get closer. I mean, you hear about, you hear about affairs, like just blowing up the marriage and like taking years to come back and, you know, all this internal work. And I don't like, I'm absolutely sure that you went through that, but at the same time, I mean, I'm kind of in awe because I can just tell that your relationship now is so much more real and honest and just alive. That's, Oh, I love the way you say that. And then that is the truth. Before we were like the the poster um, child couple, so to speak, like we were the epitome of what a marriage should look like. We're very happy. We're best friends. We're hanging out all of the time. But in that there's lack of sexual exploration, lack of learning anything new, lack of developing in a deeper way that connecting with other people just allows you to do because you get more ideas. You learn more because other people have ideas that we simply don't. So we had like really created this stable marriage, but it was at the expense of this deeper growth that we were able to experience by opening our relationship and by experiencing more connections and more interactions with other people. And it's definitely like, I wouldn't say open marriage is the way to solve a, an affair or it's the way to solve maybe parts of the marriage that are broken or need healing. Like we have been healing ourselves and healing the parts that um, were broken and were already broken before our marriage. Open relationship is just another way to discover who we really are like, and, and to become better and also to deepen uh, our interactions, our attraction and our sexuality with each other. Absolutely. Now, do you guys have like certain set roles? You said rules or roles? Rules. rules. <laughs> uh, yeah, and actually every every time that I connect with someone new, and it, it doesn't actually happen very often for me because I'm picky and I, I like we live in a monogamous world, so I haven't really been approached a lot by a lot of people. But when like we do start connecting with other people, one of the rules that we have is simply just to check in with the other, like to let the other person know, Hey, I'm starting to have feelings or attraction for this person. This is happening. Um, also if we, um, are sexual in any way with anybody else, we let the other person know, um, either beforehand if possible, but if not, if that's totally okay, as soon as possible after just to check in, Hey, this is going on. Um, another boundary that we have is always using protection, um, with people that are not each other, um, to protect against STIs, and also, um, there's an emotional aspect of unprotected sex that really bonds someone to someone else very easily. So right now in our lives, we only see each other as worthy of that like deep commitment um, through unprotected sex. So we honor that. We also we also get um, STI testing. I get tested every six months, and um, when we're sexually active with uh, with anybody else, we do get regular testing just to make sure that everything's clear and everything's good. And also, before we're sexually involved with anybody else, we check in with our um, potential partner and ask them, like, do you have any STIs? Um, what's your sexual history? Are you having unprotected yeah. sex? And what does that look like? So it does require more communication, um, but it also brings so much fun and teaches us that life is gets to be enjoyed and gets to ha- be fun and gets to be sexy and gets to be pleasurable. I love that. So, I mean, but that sounds fantastic, first of all. Uh, but what's the hardest part about being in an open relationship? Ooh, the hardest part. Um, just one. <laughs> um, hmm. I would say the hardest part is handling the jealousy that comes up when 
um, we see each other getting excited over someone new and realizing that that excitement is actually really beautiful and we can be excited with each other instead of afraid that somehow that person is going to take um, each other away from us. Like the jealousy end of it is that person's bringing something out in you that I can't. And that's scary to watch that in order for our relationship to grow. I want to make space for this because I know you're going to grow your energy and your joy is going to grow and and be even bigger than it was. I just need tenderness and compassion for myself to handle this jealousy in a really loving way. And I can even use this jealousy to bring us closer together. Like, Oh, you know what? We haven't had a date night in three weeks and I see you going on a date with someone else. God, I can't wait to like have you home. I can't wait to see mm-hmm. you. I can't wait to be with you. And actually it's amazing because the jealousy can actually, it increases the charge of electric between us, like that electric chemistry, mm-hmm. simply because it's like, we see how desirable the other person is. We see them connecting with someone else. But if we're like tired or we're feeling a little down or feeling a little lonely, we just need to be really careful to be really compassionate and loving towards ourselves in that jealousy and also describe exactly what we're needing. Like I'm needing a hug or I just need to be reminded that you love me and you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Cause I think for most people that would be like the biggest non-starter. Like, you know, I'm afraid my partner is going to find someone that they end up liking more than me, you know, like, and then we're like this whole experiment just blew up in my face, you know? So what would you say to them? Like for people who are curious about, you know, potentially opening up their marriage or, you know, testing this out? Yeah, the um, the jealousy piece definitely is a reason um, why people might not do this. And I kind of look at it, is it like jealousy sometimes if it's, um, if it's impeding our desire to want to be polyamorous or open and we actually have that desire, but we're afraid of losing the other person or we're just afraid. Mm-hmm. But like notice that there's something like jealousy under jealousy is fear. So if we're feeling afraid, is it really healthy to cling deeper to the relationship? Because sometimes monogamy, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person's not going to leave us or that our relationship is healthy or that, you know, attraction can't hurt the relationship. Like monogamy is not protection. Like over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And there's an incredibly high rate of people having affairs because there is this hunger, there is this desire, there is this natural inclination to want to flirt and enjoy and love other people. So I would say for anybody that has fear and is allowing fear to keep them from um, experimenting, notice do they really want fear to make their decisions and potentially what can happen when they let fear subside and decide to make choices outside of fear, but in trust. Um, And why I say this is if there's fear that, hey, I can lose this person, which we always have. Like when I was monogamous, my husband and I would go through periods where we're like, oh my God, like you could die. I love you so much. I don't want you to die. Like this is, Mm -hmm. we would go through this fear. If there's fear of losing that person to somebody else, that's hundred percent normal. And again, monogamy doesn't protect us against that. It really doesn't. And thirdly, if we do lose that person to someone else, well, then that's actually probably the healthiest thing. Um, like if so, if my husband decided to move on and be with someone else, which I feel like is like not even a possibility because our love is so healthy and our love is so strong and we've been together for so long, if that happens, well, that's actually a gift to me and a gift to him, even though it might be painful because we're actually aligning with our deepest truth. 
And we're actually becoming even more of the people that we're meant to be. And I really trust that he's only going to love someone that's really right for him. And he's only going to be in the relationship that's really right for him. And I'm going to do the same. So I'm, it's like committing more to our personal growth than having to have our relationship look a certain way. And because of that, our relationship is incredibly expansive and is growing all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that post that you had, I think it was a couple of days ago on Facebook or Instagram. And you talked about, you know, how long you've been together with your husband and how, like how it's now like better than ever. And just how much in love and like in lust you are with each other. Like that was such a beautiful expression. And I thought it was so true. Like I didn't sense any kind of you know, BS with that, but like, you know, you get some people post things and you're like rolling your eyes. But when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, like, yes, like that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, I really, I couldn't do my relationship any other way. Like, yeah, it, it, it felt safe. It, there was like a level of safety, um, that monogamy brought, but we've come to a place where we don't want to be safe. Um, and we want to be challenged and we want to grow and we want to build community and I know that there's unique challenges um, in, mono- in open relationships that there are not in monogamy. And I just trust in my heart that we're going to use these challenges. For example, like falling in love with other people and really wanting to build commitments. If that happens, like with other people, like we're going to use that to build community and to really build who we are instead of allowing that to break us or make us afraid or hold back our energy or hold back our love. Right. So if, you know, some of our listeners might really be up for exploring this and they really want to test it out, but they're afraid of what their partner might say, what would you say to them? Ah, yeah. So I remember when I first told my husband, um, about wanting, um, polyamory, he was like, that's insane. Or like, no way, you know, and he had that very knee jerk response. Um, because because that's just also how we're taught. And, and, and his orientation at times has been more towards monogamy than my orientation. So what I would say is like allowing your partner to go through any emotional reaction that they have and letting that be okay. And not going into shame or into fear or judging self like, oh yeah, I'm just a pervert or I'm guilt. Like I, I'm a terrible person or like, don't go into like ignoring our desire simply because our partner at the moment might be uncomfortable or might be having a fear and this is you can you can apply this anywhere in your life if you have a desire for kinky sex or non-kinky sex if you have a desire for sex in the kitchen table or like (laughs) you have a desire for sex with other people like allowing yourself to have that desire and not shame yourself or, or try to ignore it simply because your partner might not be able to recognize it and and see it and like be interested or be curious about it at that moment so be willing um, to have your partner wildly disagree with you and tell you that you're wrong. And then after that, um, be willing to do reading about it. Share some reading with your partner. There's a really great book called The Ethical Slut. And that is like the, it's pretty much the Bible of polyamory. Like start reading. I'm actually working on a book now um, about the 10 mistakes I made in polyamory and how not to do them. And um, that'll be out like within the next, I would say probably year like start reading, listening to um, podcasts, like Poly Weekly, like start getting yourself into a world that does exist. It's just not mainstream. And so not a lot of people talk about it. 
and allow yourself to experience like curiosity. What would this look like? What does this really mean? Does this mean I want to build relationships? Does this mean I just want to have conscious sex with other people? Does this mean I want to just be able to flirt with people on Facebook and not feel like I'm, I'm cheating because anytime that we feel our sexual energy enjoy and let go of shame, our whole entire lives change. Like mm-hmm. everything changes because we're in alignment. We're enjoying our bodies. We're enjoying that beautiful, alive, vivacious, like gold energy that just shines from us instead of shining or shutting it down. I think that's so true. I mean, that energy is, I, in my opinion, one of the strongest energies out there. And if you continuously shut it down and hide it because of shame and fear and, you know, societal norms, I feel like you're cutting off such a huge part of who you are as a human. You know, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. And it's so sad. Like I hate, I hate to see it when I recognize it in other people and, and I see it and I'm just like, man, like you, you have so much more to give. Like I can see it, but you're like crushing it down and they're not happy. Uh, yeah, I, I think normal society says that it's like typical society says you don't have to be happy. You have to be moral mm-hmm. and we use morality with happiness and joy. Um, and everybody really gets to define their own sense of morality, their own sense of joy, their own sense of integrity, their own sense of pleasure. We get to define it. And that rule book that we think we're handed as children about you have to get married and you have to have a white picket fence and you have to own a house instead of rent or like that rule book that we're handed, we really got to be willing to burn that and do the work to create our own book, our own way of being about what does, what desires feel really good. What turns us on about someone like allowing ourselves to just walk out of our homes and see that the world is for us and wanting us to be turned on and not wanting us to hide or live in shame. I love that. So what do you want our listeners to walk away with from this talk? What do you want them to really remember about sexuality and pleasure? Mm. That there's no right way to do it. There's no right way to eat or eat <laughs> literally and uh, metaphorically. Like there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, and just be curious what really turns you on, like what really feels good. And the way to do this is to slow down, like slow down your day, slow down your sex, like take time just touching fingers with someone else and feel the electric of what that feels like. I'm actually about to step on alive today and talk about this with um, a good friend of mine, Ariel Brown. And I'm going to talk about like create a container of pleasure around different parts of your life and allow yourself to blossom in that container instead of forcing yourself to move further and do more things. What I mean by creating a container of pleasure, enjoy touch and stop there. Like you don't have to have sex all the time with your partner. Like you don't have to just dive in and do a certain thing every day. Allow yourself to like really feel into the, the minute pleasures of life, slowing down, touching fingertips to lips, like touching fingertips to skin, like looking into someone's eyes, like really playing with their, with the senses. There's so much to life and sexuality than actual intercourse. And just get to experience that, like walk down the street and notice what it's like to like, let someone look at you and for you to look right back instead of like, Oh my God, if I look at them, they're going to want to have sex or they're going to think that I'm, I'm available. And I don't know, like, instead of being in fear, like, wear what you want, 
feel sexy what and everyday things like allow yourself to play in the containers of pleasure and feel really safe to just dance and to expand in whatever container of pleasure feels right for you. And again, I just really go back to the basics, like go back to very simple things of life, biting into an orange, touching someone's hands, like letting someone touch your hair, go back to the basics and remember how much you deserve to enjoy those things and build your life around the basics that feel really good for you. I love that. And I think that that's such an important message. Like even if you know, you're a person listening who would never dream about being in an open marriage, like having that going back to basics in your own marriage, I think would be revolutionary, you know, slowing down and really enjoying your person anew would be life-changing. That is it. Yeah. And you can do it all the time. Like you can create your new relationship all the time. And I even told my husband, like the marriage we have now is healthier and better than the marriage we had before. And if you're lucky, and not, I don't believe in luck, if you are hungry for growth, you're going to keep renewing your marriage. And I want to also say that, like, do the personal work yourself and realize there's no shame in it. There's no shame to hire me, hire a sex coach, to hire a psychotherapist, to go on retreats, mm-hmm. to expand your capacity for pleasure, and to really clear any old stories that keep you from enjoying your pleasure so you can step fully into it and own it completely. I love that. I love that. So I do have some rapid fire questions if you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. Let's do that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The world needs. Sex. Yeah. I believe in. Complete, unadulterated, no shame pleasure. Mm, I'm grateful for. Everybody in my life that loves me and that I get to love. Love is? Um, Love is overwhelmingly um, terrifying and also the only thing that we need to survive. Mm. And what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Be weird. Um, (laughs) Do the thing that you don't want other people to do. Like it, I mean, other people do the thing that other people are telling you they don't want you to do. Like whatever it is, if you're feeling it and you really know that it's the right thing for you, do it and just find out what it's like to actually live in your truth and live in your power uh, because you're going to feel a hell of a lot better. Oh, I love that. So if people are curious um, and want to look into working with you or just find out more about you, how can they find you? Email me. Um, Maria at mariapalembo.com. Um, hopefully you can like post that to your viewers, reach out to me, shoot me an email. We'll do a consult. And what a consult is, it's just 30 minutes of us getting to know each other. So you can get to know the work. You can get to see what you would like to expand and grow in. And also the consultation gives me an idea of whether or not I can help you. I don't work with everybody. I only work with people who are usually up to big things in the world, like recognize that their lives are meant to inspire other people. And also people who are just really willing to feel good. Like I'm tired of feeling bad. I'm tired of always dealing with fear about this or anxiety or depression about this. I just want to feel freaking good. So those are the type of people that I work with. If you're interested, again, shoot me an email and also follow me on Facebook. There's a lot of really juicy community building. Yes. My that. What's that? I said, I love the stuff that you put out on Facebook. Thank you. My Facebook lives are a really great way of getting to know the work and to begin getting to know me before you jumped on, jumped into coaching. 
So yeah, give yourself time to get to know me, read my writing on Facebook and shoot me an email and I would love to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this chat. I feel like this is going to empower a lot of people to to reassess and to slow down and to really create more sexual energy and more pleasure in their lives, which is what it's all about. Awesome. I feel really honored um, to speak with you today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Maria. She is such a light. And I think at the end of the day, if you get anything from this conversation, it's that we all need to slow down and establish again that true connection with our partner. And it, maybe that means staring into each other's eyes, or maybe that means not having sex, but just feeling the energy with the other person. You know, it's so rare that we make the time to do something like that. So I'm just so grateful that Maria put that out there and put it into you know, your consciousness. And so I hope that your relationship is different now because of this talk is better and that you see your partner in a different light or you have uncomfortable conversations with your partner. Um, and it doesn't have to be about opening up the marriage or anything like that, but it could be about, Hey, I'm not feeling that spark anymore. And I want to explore why that is. And are you feeling the same way? So I'm just really glad that we had this talk. I want to have more talks like this. And, um, if something in this episode spoke to you, you know, share it with a friend or reach out to me on Instagram. I read all of my DMS and I'm going to start sharing, uh, comments from people's successes and things like that from fans of the show. So if something spoke to you, let me know. And who knows, I might share it on the show. And if you feel like you want to up-level your life, if you have goals for yourself, but you're not sure how to get there, or you just want some accountability, that's what I'm here to do. I'm an IIN health coach, and I've been trained in a myriad of different nutritional theories, but I also take a lot of my own life experience, how I pulled myself out of the funk of new motherhood, made my self-care a priority, and established the kind of life that I wanted to have. That's what I want to do for you. So head on over to Motherhood Unstressed and schedule a discovery call with me. This episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is doing big things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, if you're a little confused or taken back by having mushrooms uh, in your life, don't be so scared. I put them in my coffee every single morning. You can't even taste them. And the health benefits that you get from them, like the beta-glucans and the vitamins and minerals um, are really astonishing. I haven't been sick since last November. I tell this to everyone who questions why I'm putting mushroom powder in my coffee, but it's true. It, it has really revitalized my health and I have two little boys. I should be sick at least once every few months and that just hasn't happened. Um, also, I'm a big fan of their cordyceps. Before a workout, I'll have some cordyceps um, in my coffee, my morning coffee, and my energy skyrockets. It also does a lot for your sex drive. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, so definitely check them out and use the code UNSTRESSED at checkout for 15% off. Take care.